welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week, because every week we are talking about being a father to a daughter, and I love being able to bring you guests that are going to challenge you, that are going to help you, that are going to make you the best dads that you can be, not only for yourself, but more so for your daughters. This week, we've got another great guest. Jeff Kemp is with us, and Jeff is a former NFL player, author, speaker, and more. After 11 seasons in the NFL as a quarterback, Jeff teamed up with the Fatherhood Co-Mission as an ambassador to help inspire and influence and to champion fatherhood. Today, we're going to be talking to Jeff about this mission that he is on, as well as talking to him about being a dad himself. He has actually four sons, but has a handful of granddaughters, and we're going to talk about that difference in the dichotomy of raising sons versus now raising granddaughters as well. Jeff, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you and all the dads that we're talking to. I am really excited to have you here today. I know that you have four sons, as I mentioned, and with those four sons, you have a number of granddaughters as well. So we're going to talk about that. But first and foremost, what I want to do is I want to turn the clock back in time. I want to go back with your sons and go back to that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father. What was going through your head? Well, I was thrilled because... Family was a positive thing in my life. My mom and dad had a warm and affirming, loving home, tons of encouragement, a lot of sports and activity. My dad was busy playing pro football and then doing politics, but mom really anchored the home. Dad made a great effort to be at our games, and I loved doing stuff with my dad, though I would have loved to have done more. So I was excited to have a family. And when Stacy and I had our first son, Kyle, I was thrilled. I probably went into marriage naive thinking she's a beautiful girl i'm a good guy this will be easy and automatic didn't realize that a marriage isn't easy and b we were dramatically different even though we were both strong leaders in every other area we were different so we really needed a lot of help and coaching and mentoring and bible training we went to conferences and classes to get help on the marriage front but i thought that fathering too would be just kind of easy and automatic and I was excited as heck. And it's been a great time raising four sons. So now that you do have those granddaughters in your life and your sons have been fathers themselves, for them and for you, talk to me about the transition and now having to help guide your sons when they're raising daughters and you raise sons to help them in different ways. What have you had to do to help them to not only be a role model for them to what you did before, but to now help them to be the best dads that they can be? Oh, that's a good question. Well, it is funny. I mean, we had four sons and we couldn't get a daughter. So we had to get them by acquisition through marriage. And so those are the first daughters that I gained, my daughters-in-law. And really fascinating to see how different they are and how creative and valuable and well-suited to my sons they are. I had to learn to be more of a listener. I couldn't just say, come on, let's throw the football or 
Let, let's ski a run together. We, we did ski runs together and play some games as a family with those girls. But I started listening and asking them questions to learn about their life and what college was like and what was interesting. And now that we have granddaughters, kind of the tenderness that comes with a girl is a treat. And I'm still kind of a crazy play with everyone grandpa, but I'm learning to pace it to the interests of girls. And I'm a student. I'm having to figure out, I, I really don't think I was the most sensitive husband. And fortunately, Stacy was pretty strong. She wasn't super emotional. And I don't think I developed my empathy and emotional sensitivity as much as I needed to. But I've been growing in that area through our marriage. And now with daughters-in-law and granddaughters, I'm being very attuned to the sensitivity and emotions and the relational nature of girls. You know, fathers that I talk to that are dads with daughters, a lot of times I come to find that they treasure the moments that they have with their daughters. And I'm sure that you had those with your sons as well. What about with your granddaughters? What kind of moments would you say that you treasure most with them? Well, Chris, I don't know how many of your listeners are parenting grown adults, but you know, once they're 18, 19, 20, certainly 22, 23, 24, once they're married, they're their own person and you'll always be their father, but you're not their coach and their cop and their advisor and their mentor. And probably the biggest mistake I made as a very exuberant, gung-ho, visionary, encouraging dad is I kept fathering too much, too much unsolicited advice. And unsolicited advice is taken as criticism. When you offer a bunch of comments or ideas or questions or suggestions, even though you think it's lighthearted and you're not pushing, it makes them feel like, well, what, I don't understand things as well as you. You're smarter than me. I'm not a man yet. So my very best fathering in these last five, 10 years of adult sons has been to humble myself, apologize for overdoing it, step back and just be their buddy and ask questions, listen, hang out. If they want to ask you a question, great. Then you can be a mentor on call, but you can't be a mentor proactively or you're keeping them in the kid role and putting yourself above them. And that's dishonoring. It doesn't help the relationship. So I think I've had to make the shift from being the coaching mentor and even see that some of my encouragement has advice in it. And I need to back off from that and just be their fan, their cheerleader, their buddy, a listening ear on their terms. And it really helps if you tell them, you know what, I'm learning this about myself and I want to apologize. And if you sense me going overboard, giving you too much advice or mentoring too much, just feel free to let me know. That has gone over very well, whereas my (laughs) advice and recommendations hasn't gone over as well. So that's been a shift that I've made. And you know, when it comes to what to do with their kids, I'm not the authority. They are. If they want to ask me a question, great. I basically role model by the way I speak to their kids, the way I behave with them in front of them. If they want to pick up something from the way I act as a grandpa, great. But I'm not the coach or the teacher anymore. I'm just their encourager. And the best thing I can do is when I praise them for what I see them doing well as a dad. Well, I've got four granddaughters. One's just a little baby, Collins. So there hasn't been any feedback from her yet. But Parker Lee and Savannah are two years old. Callie is three. And Savannah lives near us. So we see her a lot. And she can't say grandpa, but she says bumpa. And she says bumpa multiple times. And I love hearing it every single time. And sometimes she'll just look at me at the dinner table and she'll say, bumpa, I love you. And I'll say, 
oh, I love you, Savannah. That makes me so happy. But she's interesting because she doesn't just want you to hug her and hold her a lot. She'll take a quick hug, but only on her terms. So I have to kind of calibrate to Savannah. She wants touch and hugs sometimes, but not whenever I want. So it's kind of on her terms. But the tenderness of her just looking at me and say, Papa, help me. Papa, I love you. I like, I love you. That is so sweet. So that's really neat. And then Callie out in Seattle, when I visit her, I like to create unique things with my granddaughters. Like they have a round mirror and I grab her and I swing her in semicircles in this round mirror where she can see herself riding up each of the sides of the mirror. And it's kind of our Callie and grandpa swing. And she knows it's mine and I do it with her and she loves it. And I love hearing her giggle. And then Parker Lee is a little girl up in Northwest Arkansas near us. And she's very uh, outdoorsy and loves to play. So she's fun to rough and tumble and chase around the yard. And, and I really you know, love each of these girls, but they're very unique. And the moments where they say, Grandpa, I love you, is really special. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you've been advocating for fatherhood for quite some time and doing some unique things to engage dads in different ways. So tell me a little bit about your work with Fatherhood Commission. Well, 10 years ago, the Fatherhood Commission came together when the movie Courageous was put together by Stephen and Alex Kendrick, and they had some fathering resources that supported dads after the movie. And when they won a film festival prize, they put the cash prize into extending the relationships of all of us fathering groups so that we could keep networking, working together, equipping each other, raising the banner for how important dads are, and then resourcing them. So the Fathering Commission is about 150 organizations, about 200 different leaders. We meet every year for a summit. We have a website that has a list of all our partners by the area of need that they serve, fatherhoodcommission.com. And you can find the partner's spot and look for what single dads or divorced dads or dads and Bible studies, dads and daughters, dads doing adventures with their kids. So I'm on the board of directors and I'm an ambassador who does some media messaging for us around the importance of fathering, the most important job a guy will ever have. The culture isn't reinforcing that. It's kind of working against making fun of, dismissing, but it's absolutely crucial and all the research bears out that dads shape the outcomes of their kids' lives and that dads can recover from separation from their kids if they'll humble themselves, apologize, and step back in in the best way possible. And a lot of times, Chris, that starts because they don't have a good view of themselves because their dad relationship wasn't good. And the Kendricks did a great movie, a documentary this last year called Show Me the Father. And it's a tool that we share with any person, any dad that helps them realize how important fathering is and that God presents himself as a father and he is our perfect father who can heal the hurts that we have from our father wounds and then give us the love and the guidance so that we can start being the dad that our kids or grandkids need. So the Father Commission, we champion fatherhood, we network different organizations, we share resources like the Show Me the Father DVD and video download that people can use to grow closer to God as a father and to their kids. And I'm excited about the partnership of all the different groups in fatherhoodcommission.com. So in your work with the Fatherhood Commission, I guess my question comes down to, as you look at fatherhood and what you've learned about fatherhood in your own experiences and working with other dads, what would you say fatherhood means to you? Well, fatherhood is shaping the future. It's building legacy. And in the ideal, it's very other-centered where you sacrifice of yourself 
to create something better for someone else. And if you think of God the Father, he sacrificed the best thing he had, his son, to welcome all of us back into a relationship with him where he would keep on fathering us for the rest of our life. I see God as my Abba, Father, Daddy. You know, I had a great dad, Jack Kemp, very encouraging, loving, affectionate, cast vision for me, but he couldn't be transparent and fully disclose everything in his life. He didn't talk to me about girls and insecurity and peer pressure and sex and this and that. But I have a perfect father in heaven and I don't need to hold my dad to an excessive standard. I can be fathered every day when I turn to God and talk to him as my dad and in the Bible when I read it as if it's a love letter from my father. And so God is the example of giving your best to bring out the best in us. And a dad does that. He sacrifices, he role models, he apologizes first, which a lot of dads think they shouldn't apologize. You should apologize. The more humility you have, the more credibility you have. And I promise you, both as a husband and as a dad, you got a lot of material to apologize for. But that's okay. It's like a blitz in football. It may look bad to start, but it finishes good. If you take your mistake and you humble yourself and apologize, take responsibility, boy, you're painting a picture of how to go to God and receive his forgiveness. Humility leads to everything good on teams and in relationships, but pride, it leads to everything bad. It leads to division. And I think that fatherhood is pouring our best into the next generation, shaping a legacy. And the cool thing, it's mainly about building great relationship and being honest, being there for them. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to teach everything. They'll pick up more from what you do than what you say. So you want to have a great relationship. I play with my kids a lot. I play with my grandkids a lot. And I think that's the starting point for a great relationship as a dad. Now, you just mentioned the fact that you have to have that positive, that great relationship, that positive relationship with your kids growing up. As you look at other fathers and as you look at the dads around you, how are these individuals building that healthy relationship with their kids? And what can dads do to be able to build those relationships? Well, the dads that are really doing well accept their child for exactly who they are instead of trying to fit them into a mold of what they want them to be. They're not approaching fathering for their benefit like a consumer. Oh, I want my kid to make the all-star team. I want my kid to get all A's. I want my kid to get into such and such a school and be impressive. I want my kid not to disobey and get messed up so that I don't get embarrassed. That's a consumer mindset. A father is an investor. So the dads that are doing best if their son's musical and they're athletic, they're saying, hey, let's go to the music store. Show me some of the instruments you like. Play some music for me that you like. Can you make a playlist for my phone that I can listen to of cool music? Let's go to a concert of something you're interested in. Okay, you're taking an interest in them. If your daughter really loves fashion, have her teach you about it. Ask her questions about it. Make her the expert. Honor her interests, okay? Figure out if your kid's an introvert or an extrovert. Figure out if your kid likes to go out with you for a meal or if they'd rather go for a hike. Figure out if they want to talk face-to-face -face across a coffee shop table or if they'd rather be shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder riding bikes, walking in the woods, okay? Figure out their interests and tailor your relationship to them. Another great thing I've seen in a dad, my friend Ed Tandy, he was coming home and his wife had informed him that his teenager, his son, had fallen short on some responsibility or disobeyed or was messing up in some way and the dad was supposed to talk to him about it. And the son was waiting, expecting dad to come home and kind of, you know, deliver the hammer. And my friend Ed thought about his son and he thought, you know what? God is such a good father. He gives me gifts and loves me even when I don't deserve it. He stopped off at a skateboard store and bought a skateboard that his son had been wanting and brought it to his son as a gift, knocked on his door, gave him the skateboard. And his son was blown away. So what are you doing this for? He goes, 
Because I love you. He just demonstrated grace and surprised his son with a gift instead of discipline. Now, maybe if the kid needed to be grounded and couldn't drive the car for a month, he still gave him the discipline. But the gift was kind of a message that I love you unconditionally. And we don't have a formula here. You're awesome. And I hope you enjoy skateboarding. Here you go. That was a great picture of the way God treats us. And this guy did it practically with his son. It doesn't take an expensive skateboard. You could do it with a surprise hey, let's go out and get an ice cream or bringing home a CD that they like or a gift certificate to a store where they like to buy clothing or something. But just something to say, hey, out of the blue, I thought of you and I love you and you're worth it. You know, a lot of the things that you've been talking about are things that we have to learn. We have to learn as we go through fatherhood because there's no playbook per se that has been specifically set for you and for your child. So we have to learn from others. We have to read from others. We have to do what we can to be able to build that playbook for ourselves. And some of that, in my opinion, comes down to finding other dads that you can connect with and the importance of being able to connect with other men in that way. What has been your experience with the men that you work with, the fathers that you work with, that is holding them back to building that connection? Well, men get busy with their job, maybe with some hobby, and then their family, and they tell themselves, I don't have time for friendship anymore. And if you're saying, I don't have time for a five-hour round of golf on my Saturdays because I need to be around my daughter, good. I agree with you. If you're saying, I don't have time to go out two nights a week after work for beers with the guys, good. I agree with you. Your wife and your kids need you first and foremost. But if you're neglecting a friendship with an honest, good guy that has your back, who you could process life with, who you could tell you're struggling with pornography, you're losing your temper too much, your marriage is kind of not hitting on all cylinders, you're worried about work, you haven't told your wife you might get fired yet. If you don't have a guy or two that you're sharing that with, you're going to not be as healthy as you should be. And a good friend will make you a better husband, a better dad, a better man, a better follower of God, if that's the faith that you have. So I learned in football the importance of the huddle. You keep going back to the huddle and the play is called. You're given courage. You're given clarity. Uh, you straighten up some things and you know what game plan you're on, and you go out and run the play. And I had friends in football, and these were my Jesus-following friends. We talked honestly about everything going on in our life, on the airplane ride home from the games and in our Friday morning Bible study. They told me the truth when I was messing up or when I was missing something, and I could tell them the truth. They prayed for me. I dropped my guard and told them my secrets. Well, I've kept that going, and I have a couple huddle buddies these days. And every week we get together, and we might you know, shoot the bull for a few minutes, but within a few minutes, we're going to say, what's the most important thing that you need to talk about? And how can I best pray for you? And what's Father God teaching you in the Word? And those three questions open the door to 45 minutes to an hour of great conversation. And I've gotten some super advice as a dad by telling my huddle buddies what I'm going through with a son and what I'm thinking of doing. And one example, I was saying, hey, here's an issue I kind of feel like talking to my son about. And I was with my friend, Greg. And he said, hey, do you have a lot of credibility on that issue with him? And I thought, no, not really. And he said, well, do you think it'll go well if you say that? And I said, mm, probably not. And all of a sudden, I changed my game plan because I ran it by a friend. Now, that's a level five friend, not just casual, not just occasional. We don't have secrets from each other. We've committed to be safe, confidential, long-term, regular, 
touch base every week and talk about the important stuff. And my, oh my, do we help each other. I've gotten husband advice, fathering advice. And I think that men need a close level five deep friend and a huddle of maybe two guys who they talk to every week, either together as a trio, which is ideal, or at least separately to other guys. And I love to help guys with that. I have a men huddle playbook that guides them on simply shaping that friendship and sharing it with their friends so they can get on the same page. So for people that want to learn more about the playbook that you've created, is there a place that they can go to get more information? They can download it. It's uh, only about 10 pages long and it's at menhuddle.com, menhuddle.com. And there's a form there and a pop-up and you just pop in your email and it will let you download the playbook and then send the website link to a friend and say, check this out. Let's look through this description of level five friendship and what huddling is and see if we don't want this. If you do, let's commit to it. If you don't, fine. But I'm, I'm looking to form this level of friendship with someone. I think every father, every man deserves and needs a couple close brothers, level five friends. Jesus did life this way. This is the way of Jesus. He built deep level five friendships with those guys and sent them out two by two. They didn't go out alone. Dads, don't go alone. Husbands, don't go alone. Men, don't go alone. Friendship is good. It's fun. But you can have it be very purposeful and valuable when you have some intentionality to it. So menhuddle.com, and you can just download that free huddle playbook. Well, Jeff, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing to work with dads today, to be able to engage with dads in so many different ways to help them be better dads. I just want to say, I know that earlier you talked about the Fatherhood Commission. Where would they go if they wanted to learn more about that? Well, the Fatherhood Commission's at fatherhoodcommission.com. They can tap into the movie, Show Me the Father. Just go straight to showmethefathermovie.com or plug it into your Google browser, or you can find out about it and the story behind it and the resources that support it at fatherhoodcommission.com, as well as you'll find tons of partners, inner city partners, single dad partners, dads and daughters like Dr. Michelle Watson, the daddy-daughter whisperer. She's awesome. I've learned a lot from her about dads speaking the language of their daughters, which all you need to do is start asking them. Be a student. What works? So you can say, hey, what am I doing you want me to keep doing? What am I doing you want me to stop doing? And what's something that I don't do that it'd be good for me to start doing? That's a great question for your daughter. Or how about this? Zero to 10, how's our relationship? And then, hey, what would move it closer to a 10? And then take notes in your head, maybe write them down later, and then start practicing that game plan your daughter just gave you. This is exactly the advice that Gary Smalley gave for improving your marriage. Ask your wife every now and then, zero to 10, how's our marriage doing? Don't roll your eyes or criticize her when she says it's a four and say, thank you. What would it take to move it closer to a 10? And listen, we men, once we get a game plan, we can tackle it. But we need the wisdom of our daughter. We need the wisdom of our wife. We need to be a student of them and humble enough to ask the question, what am I doing that's not working well? What am I doing that is? Is there anything you'd like me to start doing that I'm not doing? Or is there anything you want me to understand that I don't understand very well? That's a great question for your daughter. Yeah, Dr. Michelle Canfield, she actually was on our show in the past and was a great guest then, and we had a great conversation. So for those of you that have been listening for a while, you might remember her name, and it's always great to have her pop back up because she has so many things to share and help dads with. She and Ken are both partners in the Fatherhood Commission. I see them there every year, and they are great at training us, and we all partner together to support each other's work, and we love to advertise one another. 
This is a generous team of many teams, and we need to have that attitude. That's why I want dads to team up with other dads, with other men, to do it as a team. Don't do it alone. Admit what you're struggling with. Admit where you screw up. A friend isn't going to say, oh, you're the biggest idiot in the world. I'm going to disown you. No, they're going to say, thanks for being honest. I struggle with that too. Let me pray for you. And then you're going to get stronger because you're sharing your challenges with someone else. Dr. Ken Canfield, another great guest that we've had in the past. They both were amazing guests. So again, thanks so much, Jeff, for being here again today and for all that you're doing for fathers. I look forward to following more about what you're doing in the future, and I wish you all the best. Well, Chris, thank you for what you're doing. And you and I both want to say to every dad out there, thank you. You matter. Your job is huge. Be a relationally engaged dad and Humility is the pathway to making all the relationships in your life better. So thank you, dads. Keep plugging away. You're changing the world and your kids really, really need you. We appreciate you. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents, bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast, the time goes by just like a dynamite blast, calling astronauts and firemen. Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be